1: From the Derek Duval production bunker, it's Derek Duval.
2: Welcome, welcome everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, thanks for the amazing welcome. I am your host, Derek Duval, and this is episode one of the Derek Duval show. You cannot imagine the sheer delight I have in having a platform to discuss things that are important to me, things that interest me, and things that I think you will find enjoyable as well. Now, on this 45-minute trek through life together, I want to throw some ideas out there. The show is broken into three segments, a thought on life, my favorite things, and a groundbreaking interview. Now, granted, you're saying to yourself by now, shouldn't you be on TV doing this, or do you truly have a face for radio? Well, Unclench your butt cheeks, Planet Earth, as I truly do rather enjoy the audio platform, but who knows, maybe one day there will be a demand for a YouTube channel. Also, I do actually have a face for radio. (laughs) The idea for this show came about around three months ago in the summer of 2020. You know the year, the shit one that we don't like to talk about. Your pal, Derek, has always idolized Conan O'Brien, And David Letterman and while I am not six foot four nor do I sport a homeless man beard I took a lot of notes about timing about showcasing the best of a guest humanity to the listening world and the Derek Duvall show is my gift to a world that has bestowed 40 years of adventures and a front-row seat to most major news stories of the last four decades on me I want to throw a few thanks out there before we get started Philip Brooks for providing the amazing vocals for the introduction. Chris Smith for helping me find my voice via a recording program. My family for encouraging me to take a negative event and turn it into a positive. Mrs. Derek Duvall, sorry ladies, for believing in this vision. And finally, I want to address four gentlemen who I know who are listening. To the hosts of Too Many Captains, A Movie Podcast. Thank you for encouraging your pal Derek to take the next step to one day getting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I know things didn't work out for us the way we thought they would, but I am glad we can continue to blaze our trails as great things are coming for both of us. Fun fact, some of the captains will be making cameos on future shows. And finally, to my old friend Johnny Dangerous. I have an invite for you to be a guest anytime, my friend. So let's get right into it. We've got ourselves a great, great show lined up. We've got to do our favorite things. And then after that, we have an interview with best-selling author Victor Parrishen. So let's get right into it.
0: Derek Duvall's Thoughts on Life.
2: My topic to start the show is a simple one, the noobs. It's an election year, and by now the candidates have accepted their nominations and are going to be running around the country like Ken Dolls on Ecstasy, trying to whip up excitement in a COVID-19 world in anticipation for the November general election. For those suffering from anxiety, post-traumatic stress syndrome of any kind, the constant barrage of he said this or he said that can take a toll on a person's mental health. Throw a 24-7 news cycle into the mix, and everyone gets what I like to call coverage burnout. Leading up to one of the most important presidential elections of the modern era, we are seeing unprecedented social behavior. Black Lives Matter has become a fierce force of change, Antifa making headlines, and the Make America Great Again gang fiercely trying to hang on to an ever-slipping-away culture. What is a person to do with headlines constantly throwing in your face, either by subscribing to headline alerts or seeing friends on Facebook posting stories? A drastic solution can be to be an ostrich with his head in the sand. No news at all. Sure, it works for some people, but a misinformed populace can be detrimental to national growth. I have friends that cheerfully would live this kind of existence if they had the chance. We can limit news. A daily glance at a headline can maybe turn the tide of news fatigue. Or we can go all in, dissecting articles for accuracy, posting to inspire social change or justice. Me personally, I take the glance approach. I have a basic understanding of the issues we are facing as a nation leading into the election, but I refuse to have any of the major news networks in my newsfeed or on my computer or television. If there is a major news story... Nine times out of ten, our friend will tell me about it. But how do you combat news fatigue? What happens when readers and listeners refuse to accept the findings of Snopes or Politico? It's simple. you got to cut those people out of your lives. Independent fact-checkers are crucial in a world where Russian interference, fear-mongering, and disinformation runs rampant, and to ignore their findings against something on OANN is dangerous. Take a long look at whose company you keep. A probing question now and then? can stir a passion of fire to determine if this is the kind of person you want in your universe. And now, my favorite things.
0: Derek Duvall's Favorite Things.
2: First off, what am I listening to right now? The answer for that has to be indie artist Ben Howard. Now, I am an avid SiriusXM listener. And while listening to one of the stations, the song Oats on the Water comes on. I am completely mesmerized. The smooth beat, the aching voice, it's definitely a perfect song. Bonus points, I learned that this song was used in an episode of The Walking Dead for all you zombie fans out there. I will post a link to the song on Twitter for those who want to hear this audible enticement. If we are lucky, maybe we can get him on as a guest. You never, ever know. Now, you are probably wondering, wow, Derek, you must spend all All your time behind the microphone listening to music. What do you do to give your eyes a visual treat? Well, let me tell you, my friends. Your beloved host, as of this recording, was delighted to learn that the Karate Kid TV sequel, Cobra Kai, has indeed left YouTube Red TV and come to Netflix. So my merry ass will be sitting in my home theater, streaming the continued adventures of Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence. Trust me, folks. It's a hell of a lot better than it deserves to be, with Emmy nominations to back that up. Are you ready for a controversial hot take? The Karate Kid Part 2 is a far superior film. Change my mind. I challenge you. Season 2 was incredible. The choreography, the writing, the character development, and world building. I'm telling you, the confirmed season three cannot come fast enough. The two seasons are already number one on Netflix, so go check it out. It has Derek Duvall's highest recommendation. And folks, you can take that to the bank. I'm going to finish this segment with a what podcast has Derek Duvall's attention right now. Now, I might not be the brightest thing in Christendom, but I know a well-put-together show when I hear one. You have got to be listening to the Chris and Christine Show. They are an absolutely delightful couple, and have been friends of the show since its inception. Their playful banter, exciting and insightful interviews make them a power duo. Bonus for my devoted listeners, they have agreed to come onto the show at a future date to be determined, and I cannot wait for that day. You can find them at ChrisandChristineShow.com or on Twitter at K2ShowSanDiego. You know, there is just one thing missing from this half of the show. I really want you guys to embrace change and seek out new tunes. To do that, I'm going to need help from my source with boots on the ground.
0: Derek Duvall's host of Friends.
2: Welcome to The Derek Duvall Show, the master of tunes from Too Many Captains, a movie podcast, the one, the only, Matty G. Mm-hmm. Greetings. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing good. How is the COVID world treating you? Uh, pretty pretty crappily. How about you? No. Oh, I could complain but who'd listen. My listeners are desperate for new and good music in the COVID world. What would you
3: recommend to them? All right, so my record of the week is Sugar Egg by a band called Bully. Bully is the musical project of Alicia Bagnano. She's a singer, songwriter, producer who is based out of Nashville. If labels are your thing, I think Bully would fit well in the indie rock, alternative rock, power pop crowd, that type of thing. So this is the band's third album, and it was just released on August 21st on Sub Pop Records. So Alicia has a degree in audio recording and interned at Steve Albini's Electrical Audio Studios in Chicago, and she engineered the band's first two records herself. However, this time around, she brought in a Grammy winning producer John Congleton to assist with this new record. Having someone help with the recording process made her feel at ease, and I think the results speak for themselves. The album has 12 songs, clocks in at under 40 minutes, and is a concise whirlwind of guitars, drums, and Alicia's great mix of singing and screaming. I've been a fan since the first Bully album came out back in 2015, but this one may be their best album yet. You can find it on Spotify, Bandcamp, Subpop.com, or BullyTheMusic.com. Do it's yourself a favor and check out Sugar Egg by Bully. All right. Well, if that sounds good,
2: thank you, May G. Tell the captains I send my best. Yes, and they to you as well. All right. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Happy listening. It's now time for a break. That's right. Refresh your drinks, pop that popcorn, whatever it is that you do. And we'll be right back after these interesting messages
3: hey everyone i am chris and i'm christine and we do a podcast about life love and hot topics we're family friendly yeah well mostly and you can catch us every week
2: so subscribe to the chris and christine show on your favorite streaming service
3: and buckle up buttercup because you're in for some fun some fun oh yeah that sounds
2: fantastic
0: With so many podcasts out in the world, you have a plethora of options. Take a chance with Too Many Captains, a movie podcast. Mixing comedy with an academic look at film and Hollywood culture, this podcast is perfect for those looking for a fresh perspective. From deep dives into classic films, to debates on digital streaming versus physical media, and film discussions based on randomly chosen topics in our What Are We Talking About? segments, there's something to satisfy all your movie podcast cravings. So, if you're feeling lucky or feel the need for speed, grab your shaken martini or some fava beans and a nice chianti and subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. For more content, visit amoviepodcast.com, find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions, and on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Too Many Captains, the jolliest bunch of podcasters this side of the Nuthouse.
2: Welcome back, Planet Earth, to The Derek Duvall Show on Saturday, August 29th, 2020. And in this historic first broadcast, our first guest is best-selling author Victor Perishin, whose latest book, Think Like the Buddha, 100 Days of Mindfulness, is currently available. Victor, welcome. How are you?
1: I am very well, Derek, and happy to hear from you. Thank,
2: thank you. Thank you. My first question that I ask all my guests, how are you coping with the COVID-19 pandemic crisis?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I personally am doing, I think, very, very well. I Have some concerns, like other people do, but overall, I am pretty confident that we have a lot of smart people working on this, and we're going to come out on the the right end of this.
2: So, right now, like I said, are you are you doing meditations? Are you, you know, how, how are you keeping busy?
1: Yes, I do. I I, I am meditating. I'm doing yoga. With COVID-19, the important thing is to have a, a really healthy immune system, which I'm trying to keep up. That's the best vaccine possible. So, you know, it's a, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I have friends that are a little bit worried about it, but I, I, think, I think we're going to be all okay. You know, can I tell you something interesting?
2: You may take anything you wish.
1: Uh, several decades ago, I befriended a woman who lived through the Spanish flu. She was 90 when I knew her and lived in her own home. And she told me about the Spanish flu in her neighborhood. She said at that time, 1918, when there was a death in the family, the custom was to put a big black cloth on the outside of your front door. And she said on her street, every third house had a black cloth. So it would be house, house, death, house, house, death. I recall that and it helps me put things in perspective. COVID-19 is nothing like that Spanish flu. Mm. One out of three people dying on your block. So, and then we're so far ahead scientifically and medically. I, I, I think we're going to be okay. It's just going to take a little bit longer, but if people are patient and optimistic, we'll be fine.
2: I think it's, it goes back to it talks about uh, living in, in the UK about uh, mass graves that were buried over yes. for the black, the black Death. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, if you think long term, yep. s- say we never ever get a vaccine, I mean, Obviously, right now, the mortality rate for this virus is low, but the infection rate is high. Correct. But, but as we all have known through the AIDS crisis and other pandemics of the past, yep. Yep. viruses mutate. Yep. So, you know, that, that's something to think about. But we're going to take it back now to the beginning, your origins. At what age did you decide that what you are currently doing was the path that was right for you?
1: Well, when you say the path, and that's a, that's a very good phrase for me. I've been on a spiritual path since I was a teenager, uh, where where I grew up in Northern Ontario, other boys were collecting hockey cards, uh, interested in sports. I was interested in those things, but what really intrigued me in my little town were the churches in the community, and I would ride my bike from church to church and check it out. So from the time I was a teenager, I was interested in spirituality. So the answer to your question, I started then and have evolved.
2: So beyond. so, so, how many years have you been studying the, the Sanskrits, and what inspired you to pursue that at that age?
1: You know, I don't know. I think uh, I was just always curious about things inward, the spiritual. Other people were are curious about things outward. One's not better than the other. That was just my path. The Vedas, the Sanskrit, the yoga, the meditation, that I've probably been doing about 30 years. I came to meditation long before it was popular or uh, in vogue. In fact, I was a graduate student at the University of Toronto in Canada. And one of the colleges on the campus was a Jesuit university. And I took some—I'm not Catholic, but I took some courses from a Jesuit priest. And I really—I liked him. I don't remember much about the course, but he—something about him intrigued me. So I approached him privately and asked if he would consider being a spiritual director for me.
2: Uh, is that—are you a Unitarian minister, if I remember correctly? Yes. Yes. How long have you been doing yep. that?
1: Well, I was ordained— 20 years ago. Hmm. Anyway, I approached this uh, Jesuit to see if he would uh, offer me spiritual direction, as they called it. He was a little reluctant. He agreed, but he'd never worked with a Protestant before. And I said, it didn't matter to me. I said, just show me what what you know, and I'll, I'll take it from there. So anyway, you know. That's just me. A, a spiritual path, several decades. So It's I, never too late to start.
2: So, on, in your spiritual path, do you, are there pilgrimages you make? Is that I, I'm still kind of unfamiliar with the the process.
1: I have not a pilgrimage is visiting a holy place. I have not done that. You know, for me, locally holy holy places in in the community I live in here. I do spend time at the, our local Buddhist temple. Uh, I'm well known at the Hindu temple, so I do go there. And sit quietly in meditation from time to time.
2: I think one of the things, I've, if for people who follow you on social media, as well, is your your love of the outdoors. You feel like one with the nature a lot. I, I see, yeah. I see your patented yoga headstands in certain mm-hmm. parts of the community.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Nature is a great healer, and uh, all ancient systems of medicine recommend spending as much time outside as possible. So, for example, I'm a writer. I spend five and six hours a day writing. I'm in my backyard the whole time, year-round, even when it's cold. A little snow on the ground isn't all that bad. I put on a big coat. As long as my fingers can still move on the keyboard, I'm outside.
2: That's awesome. That really is. I <laughs> I, I wish all of us could because we're so caught up in the daily hustle and bustle life you know the the eight to five the other kids picked up from school or soccer practice yeah. I feel yeah. like a lot of people kind of lose that inner spiritual feeling would I be would I be pretty on the nose about that
1: oh yeah absolutely absolutely people are so busy overwhelmed really mm-hmm.
2: so speaking of with your social media um, you're known for your dedication to yoga perfection and one of the positions that I've talked to you about many years is your physics-defying headstand, Uh, how long did it take you to perfect that? And uh, tell us about the benefits of achieving and maintaining that position for, I think it's a a certain amount of time you do it for.
1: You know, it's funny. I think when people look at a headstand, they think it's incredibly complicated. It's really not, and it's much easier than it looks. And if you're in the presence of a a good yoga teacher, they can get you into a headstand using the wall for support almost immediately. Uh, There are huge benefits to it. It's called the king of the yoga poses. The biggest uh, positive to it is when you're upside down like that it reverses the effect of gravity. Usually we're standing on our feet and gravity is compressing everything. When you flip over what happens is uh, the effect of gravity is reversed. All of the organs inside your body uh, can come down. They're not squished. Uh, There's a tremendous relief for the back. A lot of blood flows through the brain. It's It's just a great pose to hold. And the ideal, it's recommended that people practice it and then uh, get to the place where they can hold it for 10 to 15 minutes at a time.
2: What's your whats your longest you've ever held it for? Just out of curiosity.
1: You know, I, I do that pose twice a week for an hour. Oh. And I'm not recommending that. That's me. <laughs> I go over. I do it for an hour. It's, it's a great meditation pose for me. And I'll tell you, I don't have back problems, but when I come out after an hour, my back feels like... I have a brand new body. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but it's very, very beneficial.
2: Uh, Like I said before, was there a lot of trial and error in trying to perfect that? I mean, were you ever afraid of breaking your neck, et cetera? You
1: know, I I wasn't. uh, I I had a good teacher who showed me how to do it properly the first time. Mm -hmm. And it just, the first time it clicked for me, definitely the way to start is to use the wall for support, not do it freestanding in the middle of a room. I can do it freestanding, but the way to start is to have your heels on the wall. Just a little bit of support to give you the confidence to keep going.
2: It's incredible. I, I you, it, it just defies belief every time I see it on Instagram. So I, <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you. All right, so you're an accomplished author, as, as we established in the introduction. How many books have you written yeah. now?
1: You know, I'd have to tally them up. I seem to write about a book a year. Maybe I've written 20, 25 books. 25. I'm not sure exactly.
2: Tell us about your first one you ever did.
1: You know what? The first book was called Grief Relief. How to overcome grief and live again, and that was maybe 25, 30 years ago. Wow! And it took me a long time to get it published. It was amazing too. I, I, I probably got three or four hundred rejections.
2: So, how, are you you freelanced? I mean, did you say, hey, yep. look, you know, you pushed it around to different yeah, yeah. publishing agents?
1: No, I'm a, I'm a I'm a full-time freelance journalist and author. I make my modest income writing uh, magazine articles and books, mm-hmm. and have been fortunate in that it could. Uh, provide enough money for me to for me and my family to live on comfortably yeah it's it's been good for me very good so you know the nice thing too uh, writing is a writing is just a great job to have especially freelance like I do I have met and had people come to me and talk to me about writing I haven't I have met lawyers who want to be writers. I've met doctors who want to be writers and businessmen who want to be writers. I've never met a writer who wants to be a lawyer a doctor or a businessman.
2: That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah,
1: it's, just, it's, it's a great job. You work for yourself. Mm-hmm. There are no hassles. I don't have a boss. I don't have employees. Uh, very little aggravation.
2: Do you ever have like deadlines or do you just, it's basically like I will write this book at my current pace, never have to worry about that?
1: I do it on my pace. Uh, every now and then an editor will contact me Uh, and ask me to do something for them I often take those but I don't like them as well I prefer to come up with my own ideas Mm -hmm. Uh, but generally speaking you know I write a couple hundred magazine articles a year and a book a year I have a goal every single day when I get up I try to write 2,000 publishable words that's about 10 typed pages so every day 2,000 publishable words seven days a week Three hundred sixty-five days a year. Some days more, some days less. But when you do it that way, you structure it day by day. You can get a lot of writing done.
2: That's incredible. So let's talk about your latest book, Think Like the Buddha: One Hundred and Eight Days of Mindfulness. It seems like a shining light in the negativity that has kind of perverted our self-pursuit to happiness. Can you talk about when you started writing your latest entry into your library and uh, how the idea came about?
1: The idea came about because I see so many people who are who feel trapped. their lives they don't like their job they may not be happily married or happily partnered and a lot of that has to do with awareness mindfulness is what the buddha talked about it why am i here how did i get here why do i stay those are the kinds of questions that need to be asked to create a mindfulness that can move you forward rather than keep you trapped
2: so my listeners and others who follow me on social media are aware of my claim that the reason for the current state of American politics, everyday interactions, and the slow decay of our society is that as Americans we have a tendency just that we don't like each other very much anymore. Uh, that people today have the the mindset of an all or nothing mentality. You know, us versus them. If, if you have one part of your ideology that differs from mine, it's you're automatically my enemy. In your book, uh, on day twenty nine, you speak of searching others for their virtues. Can you? Explain that a little more in depth because I, Derek Duvall, found it fascinating.
1: Searching other for their virtues, searching others for their virtues. Yeah, you know what that's all about? It's about looking at another person and instead of seeing the negatives and the faults, trying to see what positives are there. And you're right, Derek, in your analysis that uh, as Americans, we don't seem to like each other very much, and we certainly don't respect each other very much. You're either on the right or the left, and there's nothing in between. And it's a very sad state of affairs, and I think we would do a whole lot better to back off a little bit, try to have some objectivity, some sensitivity, uh, and look and listen to what people who are different from us are saying and why they're saying it
2: when it comes to the all I want to expand on that a little bit Yeah, go ahead. on the all or nothing I mean do you in your daily life do you encounter people that you are so bristly in terms of I don't believe in your your teachings I don't believe in your um, ideology but you have to kind of pay like step back a little bit from that or do you try to find like the good in everybody
1: the Buddha and everybody can I talk politics for one second you,
2: you may talk anything you wish
1: When Donald Trump was elected, I didn't vote for him. But when he was elected, I made the decision then and there not to hate Donald Trump and only view him negatively. I didn't vote for him. I won't vote for him again. But I'm not comfortable with the group of people that look at him and hate him, his family, and right down the line. There's something wrong with that viewpoint, too. It leaves me very uncomfortable. Like everybody else, I'm frustrated by his tweets. And his behavior, which strikes me as that of a junior high person, however, we have to rise above some of those things. Just because he acts in ways that are objectionable, we can't do anything about. I can't do anything about what he does, but I can work on how I feel and how I view him. Mm-hmm. Does that makes sense.
2: It does make sense. But I mean, yes. I mean, like sometimes you you look at what he's doing and and you're like, uh, maybe I understand, but you think of the long-term benefits the bigger picture and you see that it's just a very dangerous ideology that he promotes i mean you cannot it is. you cannot look at nazis who you know right. 80 years ago we we fought and destroyed and think of them as oh yeah they're all right people you know like that, no, that, no, no, no. as a human being that that hurts my heart
1: yeah yeah no 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 no, no there are checks and balances we uh, in this country we have the right to vote we have we should feel like we have the responsibility to vote mm-hmm. every four years get out there and cast your vote you know, 100 million people every year don't vote.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. Well, 100 million. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. I want to expand on that idea a little bit. Um, in your book on day 52, choosing the right friends. Uh, it was you many years ago who suggested to me the most profound yet exceedingly yeah. simple idea. Cutting negativity and negative people out of my life to, to obtain positive energies in my everyday life. Um, I found it to be, a, for me personally, a life changer. I, I mean I yeah. went to your your meditations and I went to you know your sound meditations. Was that a hard lesson for you to learn over the years?
1: Yes, through trial and error I have learned how important it is to have the right people around you and that we are all affected by the the people we have closest to us in our inner circle There's a great verse from the from a Hindu text called the turical I'm gonna quote it to you it says this. As water changes according to the soil through which it flows, so a person assimilates the character of his or her associates. In other words, we are profoundly influenced by the people that are closest to us. So make sure that the people who are closest to you are positive, upbeat, healthy, balanced, not toxic individuals walk away from those without offending them.
2: That sounds easier said than done there, Victor. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, 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 it is easier said than done. But if you practice, it can be done.
2: Mm. So I have a question for you. If someone who's listening today uh, is new to the concept of Buddhism and interested in exploring the teachings of the Buddha, what would you advise them to do?
1: Number one, I would advise them to go to a library, a bookstore, or online and identify some basic books on Buddhism that they think they might resonate with and begin reading them. Number two, if they can find someone in the community who is a teacher of Buddhism or Buddhist meditation, connect with that person. Number three, join a meditation group if they have one in their community.
2: So speaking of meditation groups, what are the benefits of sound meditation?
1: The benefits of meditation are endless. Physically, it's very good for the body. I like to say that when we meditate, We tap into our three inner healers. They all begin with the letter P. We tap into our inner physician who heals the body. We tap into our inner psychiatrist who heals the mind. We tap into our inner priest who heals the spirit. That makes sense? It does. Tell me about,
2: I remember we were teaching about vibrations. Can you elaborate on that? I think that's kind of fascinating as well.
1: Yeah, vibration. Well, the whole universe vibrates. Sometimes or often in meditation, you will hear people humming or chanting "Om," "Om," "Om." That's just a vibration. And they, I'm told, that when we send probes into outer space or deep into the sea or deep into the earth, what they hear is that humming sound, that vibration. So, in meditation, when people hum or chant "Om." They're trying to synchronize their vibration with the vibration of the universe, and that in itself is very, very healing and very calming. It's what the mother mother does with a newborn child. She'll hold the child and she'll just hum to it. Mm. That's just the sound ohm. That's that's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. All
2: right, I'm gonna dive back into the book one more time. Uh, day 103. You speak of inner versus outer success. Now, this one resonated with me personally because this is a problem that I personally have. My family will agree with it. What do you recommend to someone who is always in competition with a friend? I your friend buys a fancy car, you need one too or buys a bigger TV and I need one I need a bigger one. You know, what what do you say to someone like that?
1: Oh, you know, that's that's one that gets a lot of people. And social media doesn't help. You see on Facebook, a friend uh, vacationing in some exotic place or just got a promotion or bought a new home. I mean, it just goes on and on. But what I would say to that, you know, there's a there's a statement that comparison is the thief of joy. And if you're comparing yourself to somebody else all the time you're never going to be happy so the thing to do is just not to do it
2: there's a there's going to be a certain listener of this podcast who's really going to be excited to hear that little phrase right that you just did
1: really so, oh yeah okay. <laughs> comparison is mm. the thief of joy yeah yeah
2: that's that's, that's amazing
1: All right, so um,
2: the introduction to your book, I feel, is powerful and timely. Uh, With the current state of the world, what small measures do you recommend to keeping a balanced mental and physical state?
1: You've probably heard all of this before, and I do practice it. Don't watch so much news. What I do is I glance at headlines once a day, but I don't spend hours and hours watching the news. Secondly, limit what kind of social media you do those things can really ignite a lot of negative passions uh, in people then the other thing is and I wish more people would do it if people would, could just take the time even 10 minutes to sit silently by themselves and just not do anything that will bring balance tranquility and a little bit of peace of mind mm.
2: all right so we're gonna do this is gonna be a fun one uh, before we recorded yesterday you invited me to join you for one of your perfectly patented headstands. And <laughs> doing my research for this interview, I uncovered an article um, you wrote for the adult magazine Playgirl. Can, <laughs> can you please discuss how that came to be as I found that story absolutely fascinating?
1: <laughs> well, first of all, let me just say that uh, Playgirl, I did not write a pornographic piece. I was asked to write an article on the history of sex sexuality in film. So that's what I wrote, the 1200-word article, and it was really interesting because from the moment in the 1890s when cameras were being introduced and filmmaking was starting, sexuality was a part of it. Not porn, but movies were made with full frontal nudity, depict sex acts and so on. So that that was I was approached by the editor as a Playgirl to write that article, The History of Sex in Film. And it was a fun article to write, and I got paid very, very well for it.
2: Yeah, like I said, if you anybody who is listening, if you want to find it, you can find it on Amazon.com. So <laughs> that's hilarious. I, I,
1: yeah, the magazine's gone out of print. It
2: was very interesting and very enlightening. This I was like, they can't be the same man. All right, that's tell,
1: interesting to say that. Why can't they be the same man? Do you think? Are you one of the people who think spirituality and sexuality are separate?
2: No, I do not actually. I okay, believe good. I believe they're one and the same. But knowing you personally, you're you're like Mister Rogers. So it kind of threw <laughs> it kind of threw. Oh, thank it, you. It's kind of threw a little, a little wrench in my uh, belief system for a second there. <laughs> so, All right, so uh, tell us about how the Tulsa Yoga Meditation Center came to be, and uh, how long has the center been in operation?
1: Uh, the Tulsa Yoga Meditation Center has been in Tulsa about uh, 12 years. We opened it so that we could offer meditation to the community, And we offer very traditional, old-school yoga. We're not a trendy yoga studio. So like hot yoga and... Yeah, yeah, none of that. No hot yoga, no yoga with goats, no yoga with wine and beer and all that, no. Just very traditional, ancient yoga and Buddhist meditation.
2: That's amazing. Um, I have a quick question that I I just want to digress one thing. You say you're originally from Canada. Yep. Uh, What brought you to to Oklahoma?
1: I came from uh, Toronto to Chicago to be a minister. And then we, my partner and I have lived in several... Cities. We, we came here from Los Angeles, where my partner did a PhD in religion, and she came here to be a professor of religion. I am a freelance writer, so I can do it from anywhere. I just basically followed my partner and told her she was free to work anywhere she wanted. As long as I had internet and Wi-Fi, I, I would be fine. <laughs> so we came here. We thought we'd be here just a couple of years, but now it's 20 years later, we're still here. That's crazy. And it's a good place to live. This is very affordable for those of you listening out there. I, I'm I so grateful to uh, live in this state right now. When we lived in California, housing was high then today it's outrageous could never live afford to live out there the house we i have here which is about 2800 square feet where i lived in california this this house and this property would cost close to two million dollars who's got that kind of money all
2: right so i want to get into a little bit of fun stuff here um what what do you think of today's entertainment on tv or in the movie theaters um do you have like a favorite film show and this is the one i want to know is when you're driving what kind of music do you listen to if at all
1: Okay, in the car, one of two things happen. One is I like silence. If I'm feeling reflective or in need of just more silence than my daily meditation practice, I don't do the radio. I just drive silently. That's about half the time. When I do have my radio on Bluetooth, I use Pandora. And I, liked, I listened to very uh, 1950s black rock and roll. Little Richard. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ch- oh, you're
2: good. Chuck Berry, Little Richard. Chuck Berry,
1: Little Richard. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. They started that, and then the white musicians popularized it and mm-hmm. made it more accessible. But yeah, that, that's generally what I listen to. What do you listen to? Oh, boy. You're a music guy.
2: I am a music guy. I prefer, I think the best way to describe it is basically I like jazz music. Ooh, I like that a lot. I, I love jazz. When I'm partaking in, one of my favorite activities, jazz music is always the compliment for it. Uh, I listen to, I like the Met Opera on Sirius XM. Really? When I leave, when I leave my job, I blast it in my ears. It's my way of kind of unwinding on the way home. Opera. Opera. Wow. Yeah, Puccini, uh, Berlioz, uh, Mozart, you name oh, it. Oh, jeez. Yeah, whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa. You're amazing. Thank you. I appreciate
2: that. But uh, no, I, I do that. And then when I'm home, if I'm listening to on my vinyl record player, I enjoy Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, which was a the first rock opera, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Uh, I found that to be highly fascinating. But do you have like a favorite film or?
1: Well, you know, your question, what do you think of today's entertainment on yeah. TV? Yeah. I, I think it's amazing. Netflix, Prime, HBO, what we have now is just it boggles my mind. I grew up in northern Ontario. We had one TV station when I was a kid and it didn't come on till four in the afternoon. And it's, what we have now is absolutely amazing. I'm in love with Netflix. And there's another one I really enjoy called Acorn TV. It's all British uh, programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy it very much. But I'm just amazed you can turn on the TV and there are thousands of Options. Yes. So it's great. You, great time to be alive. Do you have a favorite film? Favorite film? No, I can't think of a favorite film. I have favorite genres, which are action comedies. Uh, I like Jack. Uh, Jackie Chan intrigues me to no end. The man is—he's <laughs> still doing his own stunts in in China, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he can't do American films because they won't let him do his own stunts for insurance reasons. So he's not making American films. He's doing them for uh, from China and Hong Kong. No, oh, just a good a good action comedy will always get me i did watch the uh, the series breaking bad mm-hmm. which was <laughs> so dark but i thoroughly enjoyed it
2: i think anybody who says they did not enjoy breaking bad is in probably the 1% of the population i feel like yeah. it was such un- it, it was such a universally acclaimed show
1: That was it, was incredible, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and the guy who played Walter White, unbelievable. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Brian Cranston, he's he's a chameleon, so
1: oh, he's incredible, yeah, 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 yeah. amazing program.
2: All right, I'm gonna finish this up with one last question, sure. This is, I've had a lot of people ask me who see me talk about you on social media. Can you please give us the recipe for your homemade naan bread?
1: (laughs) It looks hilarious, it looks so delicious, and it's so easy to make, too. Honestly, there's nothing to it flour, water. Salt, yeast. Mix it all up. Roll it out into small flatbread. Fry it two minutes on each side. That's it. That's it. Yeah, oh. it's great. It's great. It's great. It's not even labor intensive.
2: Do you uh, real fast? Do you um, like to eat at the Tulsa restaurant, India Palace? Do you go there or? Do oh
1: you- yes, absolutely. And the owner, Guldeep Singh, is a great friend of mine. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a wonderful restaurant. Oh, it's one. Of Have best- you been there?
2: Oh, many many times. At least yeah. once every two weeks.
1: Really? Yeah, oh, yes. good for you. Yes. yes, yes, yes. They all know me in there. They're, they're
2: extremely kind to me in there. Um, I get excellent yeah. service. So, Yes. Yeah.
1: Guldeep Singh is the owner. He, he's a very, very generous, compassionate man. He often provides meals for the Hindu temple in town for their community, free mm-hmm. of charge. Wow. Two, three, four hundred people. Yeah, he is a great guide and excellent food. Absolutely great place to go.
2: I was really scared during the uh, COVID-19 crisis that, you know, they may, this might be like a death nail for them, but they they persevered. They came through yeah. it smiling. All right. Well, that brings Derek, us to, that brings yeah, us ahead. to the end of the time together this afternoon. I want to thank, thank you,
1: Derek. I've enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> thank you. For, I'm honored. Honored. Thank, You're a great human. Thank you.
2: Thank you for getting your message out in the world. Be sure to find him on Instagram at vmpyogi. That is in yogi, not yogi bear. And his late <laughs> and his latest book, Think Like the Buddha: 108 Days of Mindfulness, is currently available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Thank you, sir, and
1: have a great thank day. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks.
2: And that brings us to the end of episode one of the Derek Duvall show. This has been an absolutely amazing experience and together we will have many more after this. I want to thank our special guests, Matty G of Too Many Captains and Victor Parishin. A few housekeeping notes before we close out. There is a friend of the Derek Duvall show, Stephen Alexander, who desperately needs a life-saving kidney. If you or someone you know might be interested in saving a life by donating, call the Upstate Transplant Services at 315-464-5413. Steve's an amazing, great guy, and I look forward to having him on the show one day to speak about the popular video game he developed. As always, remember to have your pets spayed and neutered, adopt and don't shop, and do your due diligence as a human being and punch a Nazi today. So on behalf of the production team, this is Derek Duval saying, don't be an asshole. You're all in this thing called life together. Have a great week, planet Earth.
1: This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at... Derek Duval show